0: Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of September 9th, 2023. As always, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And on this rant, we're going to be looking at several outrages being perpetrated against opposition, anti-war, and anti-fascist militants in Russia, we're mostly going to be discussing Russians who understand that the Putin regime has now become fully fascist, and understand their imperative to resist it, and rise to that imperative in spite of the costs. But we're also going to discuss one Ukrainian activist, illegally charged in the Russian courts, and one Belarusian activist imprisoned by the Putin-allied dictatorship of Alexander Lukashenko in Belarus. We'll start with the case of Azat Miftakov, because there is a recent development just this week, and it is receiving shamefully little international media coverage from the brief account that I wrote up for the Counter Vortex just yesterday, Russian anti-fascist activist Azat Miktakov was arrested by agents of the FSB September 4th, immediately upon his release from a prison colony in Omutninsk. The FSB, of course, being the uh, contemporary iteration of the notorious KGB, Azat had been in detention since February 2019, convicted in connection with the breaking of a window at a Moscow protest outside an office of the ruling United Russia Party. At the time of that arrest, Miftakov was a mathematics graduate student at the Moscow State University. Miftakov endured torture, threats, and other mistreatment at the hands of the authorities while imprisoned. After a trial marked by widespread judicial abuses and the use of secret witnesses, in January 2021, he was convicted of hooliganism and sentenced to five years in prison. He was released on parole two days after an International Day for the Liberation of Azat Miftakov was held in cities around the world but just as he exited the prison colony to meet his family, he was taken into custody again by the FSB, this time on charges of publicly justifying terrorism, Quote, The new charge concerns claims that Miftakov spoke approvingly about a terrorist act, In conversation with two other prisoners in May of this year, after watching a TV news program, the act in question was apparently an attempted bombing of an FSB headquarters in Arkhangelsk in 2018. The new charge carries a sentence of up to seven years. Authorities blamed the Arkhangelsk attack on the anarchist network People's Self-Defense, which the secret witnesses in Miftakov's case had also linked him to. correspondence supposedly linking Miftakov to People's Self-Defense was also said to have been found on an electronic device seized by the FSB in the search of his home at the time of his arrest. This, along with a small amount of hashish confiscated in the raid helped secure his conviction, although he was not charged with any drug offense. The drug stigma has been widely exploited in Russia to persecute dissidents. According to Miftakov's wife, Elena Gorban, the security services also circulated intimate photos of the mathematician, in his prison, outing him to his fellow prisoners as bisexual, a clear attempt to expose him to violence. An ethnic Tartar, originally from Kazan in the Tartarstan Republic, Miftakov was working on his PhD at the time of his arrest in 2019. An online petition demanding his release has won nearly 100,000 signatures and 50 members of the Russian Academy of Sciences have also signed a letter protesting his incarceration, and even a mere signature, we can imagine, requires some courage in the current atmosphere in Russia. Mathematical societies across Europe and the United States have also issued statements in his support. A statement on the website of the campaign for his release reads, Quote, Azat Miftakov is a brilliant young mathematician who came to embody the hopes of many for a free and democratic Russia. The new criminal case against him, manufactured by the FSB, is an outrageous travesty. These brutal Stalinist tactics must stop. Azat must be freed Immediately the international mathematical community stands with him." End quote. Okay, some annotation. First, in terms of the cannabis stigma being exploited to persecute dissidents, most blatant in this regard was the imprisonment of Oyeb Titiev, the leading human rights activist in Chechnya, who was arrested on an almost certainly bogus cannabis charge in January 2018, and sentenced to four years in prison. In June 2019, he was released on parole, although the conviction remained in place, even though he insisted the small personal quantity of cannabis had been planted. And it should be noted that he ran the Chechen chapter of Memorial Human Rights Center, Russia's most respected human rights organization, which was ordered closed by the authorities last October as an undesirable organization, quote-unquote. We should note that the Russian Ministry of Justice on September 1st designated Dmitry Muratov, a Nobel Peace Prize-winning internationally esteemed journalist, as a a foreign agent, quote-unquote. This classification was justified on the grounds that Muratov, quote, used foreign platforms to disseminate opinions aimed at forming a negative attitude toward the foreign and domestic policy of the Russian Federation, end quote. The label, reminiscent of the enemy of the people designation of the Soviet era, imposes harsh constraints on activities and requires sources of funding to be disclosed. The 2015 foreign agent law has been widely used by the Kremlin to silence critics. It was first slapped on the Memorial Human Rights Center before it was closed entirely last year. Muratov held the position of editor at the independent Novaya Gazeta, which suspended publication in March 2022 in response to threats from the authorities following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Novaya Gazeta, founded in 1993 by former Soviet leader and fellow Nobel Peace Laureate Mikhail Gorbachev, was one of the rare media outlets in Russia openly critical of the policies of President Vladimir Putin. In April 2022, Muratov was attacked with red paint while riding a train in Russia. Novaya Gazeta won notoriety for uncovering the mass detention of gay men in Chechnya in 2018 in a concentration camp, and one of its journalists, Yelena Milashina, suffered a violent attack in which she was badly wounded in the Chechen Republic in July of this year. There have, of course, been no arrests. Okay, getting back to the cases we're highlighting here. We've noted before the case of imprisoned Russian anti-war activist Daria Polyadova, who was placed in punitive solitary confinement last month, after guards said they found a razor blade in her belongings at the penal colony in the North Caucasus region of kabardino balkaria where she is incarcerated. Yudova, affiliated with the Left Resistance Dissident Network, was sentenced to nine years in prison in December on charges of extremism and separatism, related to her nonviolent opposition to the war in Ukraine the charges particularly stemmed from posts she published on vk russia's most popular social network essentially their facebook including messages such as no war in ukraine but revolution in russia quote unquote in a similar case a court in st petersburg sentenced activist Olga Smirnova of the group Peaceful Resistance to Six Years' Imprisonment on August 30th for spreading false information, quote unquote, about the Russian military. The grounds for the case was a post on social media network VK that called the Ukraine war a crime against humanity, and compared the war crimes of the Russian aggressors to the Nazi atrocities during World War II, all quote-unquote, which is, of course, not false information. Just two days earlier, by the way, August 28th, UN rights experts condemned the Russian Constitutional Court decision to dismiss challenges to the constitutionality of the recently enacted laws that criminalize discrediting of the Russian armed forces, quote unquote. Another such case, according to the independent Russian rights monitor, OVD Info, really the last one still operating in the country, a woman was detained in Moscow's Red Square on September 4th, while conducting a one-person anti-war picket with a large Ukrainian flag draped over her shoulders. The woman was identified as Alyona Kozevnikova. It is unclear if she will face charges. I will also again mention the case of Alexandra Skocilenko, you may recall that in the immediate aftermath of the Russian invasion last March, there was a tremendous outbreak of anti-war protest that swept across Russia, from St. Petersburg to Vladivostok, but this was met with a wave of repression. Some 15,000 were arrested, and the Duma, Russia's parliament passed a law instating a 10-year prison term, not only for protesting the war, expressing any dissent to it at all, but even for calling it a war, as opposed to the official euphemism of a special military operation. And after that, the street protests subsided. But anarchist-spirited anti-war reality hackers found creative ways to get around the draconian law. One group, Feminist Anti-War Resistance, started stealthily replacing price tags on supermarket shelves with messages about Russian atrocities in Ukraine. And one young woman, Alexandra Skochilenko, was arrested in connection with such activity in St. Petersburg last April. That is... April of last year, 2022, and faces up to 10 years in prison for discrediting the Russian armed forces, quote unquote. According to the OVD info website, the number detained at anti-war protests in Russia since February 24th, 2022, the day the invasion of Ukraine was launched, now stands at, as of today, precisely 19,747, so approaching 20,000, with 85 criminal cases opened against anti-war dissidents. And I'm frankly amazed that OVD Info has been able to continue functioning after just about every other human rights group in Russia has been ordered closed. The Memorial Human Rights Center... Last year, and uh, most recently, just last month, the Sakharov Center, founded by the famous Soviet-era dissident Andrei Sakharov, although OVD Info has been designated a foreign agent, quote-unquote, which is usually the precursor to being ordered closed, and their website is blocked in Russia, as we may imagine. The name OVD Info, by the way, references the Russian initials for the Department of Internal Affairs, OVD, that which oversees the security forces. So the name means information and monitoring on the security forces. Okay, let's turn our attention to a case in Belarus. On August 31st, a court in Gomel, Belarus, Sentenced journalist and human rights activist Larissa Skirakova to three and a half years in prison and imposed a fine of 3,700 rubles, about $1,500, she was accused of insulting government officials, disseminating false information, and promoting extremist activities, all quote-unquote. Her human rights organization, Gomelskaya Vyazna, was also ordered banned. The charges concern Skirakova's advocacy and rights monitoring work during the 2020 anti-government protests in Belarus. Last October, we should note, Belarus imprisoned Nobel-winning human rights advocate Alice Bialyatsky who jointly won the prize last October, along with the now-banned Memorial Human Rights Center in Russia and Ukraine's Center for Civil Liberties. Okay, now we're going to discuss the case of a Ukrainian anti-fascist sentenced to prison in Russia in an even more outrageous injustice. An appeals court in Moscow on August 22nd, upheld the 13-year sentence imposed on Ukrainian human rights defender Maxim Butkovich in what Amnesty International called a grave miscarriage of justice. Butkovich had been convicted in a sham trial by a de facto court in the Russian-occupied Luhansk People's Republic in Ukraine, which Moscow has unilaterally declared annexed territory. A platoon leader in the Ukrainian armed forces, Butkovich was taken captive in March and charged with war crimes. Amnesty dismisses the case as, quote, a reprisal by Russia for his civic activism and his prominent human rights work, end quote. Before the invasion, Butkovich led a Ukrainian NGO helping refugees find asylum in the country and had long been a frontline opponent of the militant right in both Ukraine and Russia. Amnesty International found that Butchkevich's conviction was based on coerced self-incrimination on video and believes he may have been subject to torture a Russian media campaign has since smeared Butkevich as a Nazi, quote-unquote, intent on killing civilians. Butkovich's activist career began in the 1990s when he helped launch the anarchist-oriented student union Direct Action. For years, he was a key organizer of the annual commemoration event in Kiev for Stanislav Markalov and Anastasia Baburova, two Russian anti-fascists murdered in Moscow in 2009. He later founded the No Borders Project, which provides legal assistance for refugees and asylum seekers. Following Budkovich's conviction, two other captured Ukrainian soldiers, Vladislav Schell and Viktor Pokoze were also found guilty of war crimes charges, this time by a court in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic, which, needless to say, has no juridical legitimacy whatsoever. Okay, a little annotation once again. Stanislav Markalov and Anastasia Baburova The two Russian anti fascists murdered in Moscow in 2009. As we noted on the counter vortex back in January 2009, hundreds in Moscow attended the funeral January 23rd of Anastasia Baburova, the 25 year old journalist killed four days earlier as she tried to defend human rights lawyer Stanislav Markalov when a masked gunman shot him point-blank range in broad daylight on a busy street in Moscow. The two had just emerged from a press conference in which Markolov had said he would appeal the early release of the killer of a Chechen girl who was raped and murdered by a Russian army colonel during the war in Chechnya in 2000, the war that initially propelled Putin to power, if you recall. Hundreds protested in the Chechen capital, Grozny, following Markolov's murder. And in bringing these cases to your attention, listeners, I wish to make a couple of points. The first is to once again shame the tankies, the pseudo-left fools who are enthusiastic for Russian tanks, who are simply supporting the wrong side in Russia, not our natural allies on the anti-war and anti-fascist left, but their oppressors and persecutors in the Kremlin. And they do this as they relentlessly bait the Ukrainians as Nazis, echoing Kremlin propaganda, textbook, fascist pseudo-anti-fascism. Extremely sinister and cynical, as we have ranted at length before. Let's talk about how, for instance, Democracy Now! has played into this. We've noted that Democracy Now! gave such prominent coverage to the useful idiot Yuri Shelyazenko the Ukrainian pacifist who was arrested in Kiev last month for justifying Russian aggression, quote-unquote, which in fact he did. I agree he shouldn't go to jail for it, but he absolutely did do that if you examine his words. I want to know if Democracy Now! has covered the cases at all of Azat Miftakov, Darya Palyudova, Alexandra Skochilenko, Yelena Milashina, Larisa Skilrakova, or Maxim Butkovich. A cursory review of their website indicates that they have not. And I'd like to know why that is. Come on, Amy Goodman, Juan Gonzalez. We're waiting for an answer. And secondly, I'd like to make a point to the Ukrainian nationalists and their sympathizers who are understandably, but I must insist, not correctly, dismissing any opposition in Russia, ironically rendering them just as invisible as the tankies do. Now, I live in a Ukrainian neighborhood, my stretch of the greater Lower East Side is called Little Ukraine, and there are, as you might imagine, some popular wall stickers and graffiti around the hood in support of Ukraine, such as the slogan, Arm Ukraine, which I have no problem with. But one that I've seen that I do have a problem with, it reads, All Russians are guilty, quote-unquote which, apart from loaning credence to the accusation of Russophobia, is a betrayal of the 20,000 Russians who have been arrested protesting Putin's war, and especially those who have sacrificed their freedom to do so. Azat Miftakov is not guilty, and ultimately a lasting Ukrainian victory in this war is going to be contingent on the removal of Vladimir Putin from power, and this, in turn, is contingent on the emergence of some kind of revolutionary movement in Russia. And I want to note that the imprisoned Ukrainian rights activist and anti-fascist, Maxim Butkevich, very hearteningly organized in support of Russian rights activists and anti-fascists, and each year memorialized the Russian martyrs Stanislav Markolov and Anastasia Baburova. That gives me hope. Okay, a couple of shout-outs to my listeners. First, a shout-out to Michael Harris, a professor of mathematics at Columbia University and author of the book Mathematics Without Apologies, Portrait of a problematic vocation, (laughs) which I confess I haven't read yet, even though it came out a few years ago. I've been a little intimidated by it, but I pledge that I will crack it by year's end. And uh, Michael Harris has been very dogged in bringing the case of Azat Miftakov to my attention and helped me assemble the facts for the little write-up that I did on his case and for this podcast. So, thank you, Michael. And also, a shout-out to Vagabond Beaumont, director of the extremely provocative film Machatero, who has been a longtime supporter of the Counter Vortex, and this past week, in response to my exhortations, dramatically upped his weekly donation to the Counter Vortex on Patreon. Thank you very much, Vagabond. Really appreciate it. And I'm actually beginning to feel a little more appreciated here, no longer quite so much like I'm just ranting into the void. We did pick up a handful of Patreon supporters over the past couple of weeks, and that's good. Now, about my exhortations, which some have commented have been perhaps a tad heavy handed, let me just say that I understand that money can be tight. And some people, like me, just have an aversion to online monetary transactions. Believe me, I get that. But I do appeal to regular listeners to do something to support the counter vortex. If you feel some resistance to throwing us a buck or two per weekly podcast on Patreon, at least help spread the word about our effort. And existence. Share links on social media, tell your friends about us, etc. Okay? That's free. And an equally legitimate way of joining the Counter Vortex. This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online, where everything I've been ranting about tonight is assiduously blogged up, hyperlinked, and documented to credible sources. Support us on Patreon if you can manage it. Patreon.com slash countervortex. Join the countervortex, join the resistance, and rant on you next time.